the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So let's talk about guns. I bet you have a lot to say after what we've seen transpire after the uh, horrendous shooting that took place in Parkland, Florida. You know, there's been a lot of hyperbole, which always happens during emotional, emotional time. So can you can you tell can you tell us a little bit of, about how do you, how do you view what's what's happening and transpiring? You know, there's this usual ritual that goes on after a horrific, tragic incident uh, in a mass shooting situation. You know, happened after Columbine, happened in Aurora, Colorado, at the theater. Happened uh, on an army base down in Texas, Fort Hood, Virginia Tech. Experienced yep. it. It goes on and on. But the ritual I'm talking about is that even before bodies are buried, loved ones are buried, even before bodies are removed to the scene, this thing is tossed into the political realm. And that's the ritual that I'm talking about, right? And, of course, the NRA gets demonized. The, the gun gets demonized. The Second Amendment gets de- demonized. Gun owners get demonized. And none of that stuff has anything to do with the tragedy, okay? But that is what the anti-gun left does. They politicize these things for uh, political leverage, if you will. I think it's it's sad because what happens after a while when the, the incident starts to fade from our memory and something else captures the news headlines, everybody just kind of goes home, right? Nothing's solved. Remedies aren't put into place. Preventions aren't put into place. You know, we hear the same calls, no guns, uh, more money for mental health. I think mental health plays a role, but not in terms of more money for mental health treatment. Mm -hmm. I think that we need better policies that allow states, law enforcement, and others, uh, before these individuals violently act, to be able to institutionalize them. Okay, but the the Supreme Court decision, 1975, O'Connor versus Donaldson, prohibits states. It says states can no longer involuntarily involuntarily institutionalize uh, people uh, who are suffering from mental health if they haven't exhibited violence. Well, it's too late once they've exhibited violence. So Mm -hmm. that's what I mean by policies, not more money. But see, that's the hard stuff. That's the... the, 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 um, uh, you know, it, it's easier for the left to go after the low-hanging fruit, blame the gun, blame. They've demonized uh, AR-15s. They don't even know what that what what that uh, firearm is. They think it stands for automatic rifle 15. Yeah, that's true. Really, you know, not, but it's not Armalite. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the foolishness that goes on, and that's what I think is so. Uh, uh, it compounds the tragedy. All right, and the fact is that something else that needs to be looked at is the cultural rot that has infected our society. All right? Nobody's responsible anymore. It's, it's not people aren't held accountable. It's always someone else's fault. It's always some outside force that made somebody do a certain thing. And, you know, now that that has set in, uh, reliance on government, more reliance on government, the family falling apart, all these, these um, social pathologies 
We don't want to talk about that again. That's the hard stuff. Right. It's just easier to go after the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it's, it's been really incredible. And, and what really irritates me, and I've been talking with other people. I talked to Gary Burns from the, used to be a Secret Service officer. And, and we were talking uh, about this exact same thing. And he, he made this almost the exact same statement you made. They don't want to deal with the real issue of what's behind what's going on. They want to demonize organizations like the NRA, which means they demonize me because I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. You know, they're, they're representing me. You know, all the NRA is, and I'm a member myself, I'm a benevolent member uh, like you. It's above the lifetime, but a higher level, we got to pay to be at that stage because I think it's that important. But they're a grassroots organization. That's all they are. Yeah. It's like any other grassroots organization. But, again, the left has taken they – to, they needed a face. They needed something to demonize. So they make the NRA the boogeyman, right? They make everybody who's not as versed on – you don't even have to be versed on firearms issues, but who doesn't pay attention to the news on a daily basis. I'm not suggesting anybody do that because it's mostly fake news anyway. But those are people who are susceptible to propaganda. Those are people who are susceptible to the demagoguing of an issue. And that's who the left is targeting uh, with misinformation. And all of a sudden people, yeah, the NRA, yeah, the NRA is responsible. I have yet to hear of a mass shooting in the United States committed by an NRA member. How's that? Yeah, and I, I agree with that. You've been in law enforcement for years. You just left the law enforcement community recently out of Milwaukee. By the way, I'm from northwest Indiana. I was born in Gary, so I've been up to Milwaukee a few times, normally to see the Cubs play. But, you know, because I can get a ticket there easier than I can in Wrigley <laughs> Field. But the, the bottom line is, you know, when you look at the FBI had all the warning signs they had and they didn't act on them and things of that nature, uh, Gary Barnes said it's because they become too big of an organization. Uh, the same thing about the Secret Service. They become too big of an organization. There's a lot to be said about keeping smaller, not getting bigger all the time, right? Sure. Uh, limited government. Uh, but, you know, what's interesting, too, is that you're not hearing anything out of the anti-gun left about how the FBI uh, dropped the ball. Maybe local law enforcement on it to an extent, but not as bad as the FBI did. And then the FBI, and this is not the first time. No. Okay. Nadal Hassan, the system was blinking red. They were aware of him. Wrote that one off as no credible threat or whatever they, they closed these things out of. Uh, Dylan Roof shouldn't have been able to, to purchase firearms. They missed that one in the background check. So you look at the FBI, and they, they pass themselves off as the world's premier law enforcement agency. And I go, really? Uh-huh. That's what makes them premier. And I'm, I don't want... For those that might be saying, well, you're coming down a little hard on the FBI. You know what? You know why I'm coming down hard on them? Because 17 people are dead and dozens more injured, traumatized for life. And a community is in ruins right now Mm -hmm. because of their inability to take this stuff seriously, right? They say, well, we take everything seriously. And so if people think I'm coming down too hard on them, no. I don't think it's coming down too hard when you see what happened in the, the Charleston Church shooting with Dylan Brooke, Fort Hood, where 14 or so uh, service members who were disarmed, by the way, on, on the base are dead. The FBI will never, you never hear them stand up and say, 
we screwed this up and somebody's going to be held accountable. It's always what they said the other day, protocols weren't followed. What do you mean protocols weren't followed? That's the best you can say. And then they go into hiding, right? That's the big government thing is, is they get to do that. Local law enforcement doesn't get to hide. They right. get skewered when they screw up on that sort of magnitude. So, um, yeah, I think from top to bottom, there needs to be a house cleaning at the FBI. I don't think you can move a few deck chairs around. I don't think you can get rid of a few people at the top, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, uh, James Comey. That's not going to do it because we're talking about a culture now that has uh, developed within the FBI and is not good. All right, so you were a sheriff for how many years? Fifteen. Fifteen years. Elected and re-elected three times, so four, four elections. How many times did a superintendent come to you and say, come to our school and tell us where we're vulnerable? Not too many schools, but uh, uh, businesses do. And yeah, businesses of course did. they do. Okay, big business said, hey, we want to put together, uh, you know, these plans for this sort of, uh, of incident. We come in, we take a look at their plans. We don't give them a one-size-fit-all. We don't say this will work for you. We say, tell us what you have in place, what's important for you. We'll help you develop the plan, not we're going to do it for you. And then we'll come in and do tabletop exercises because you have to practice this stuff and you have to train to the policy on on uh, critical incident. We call it critical incident training. Yeah. you got to train to it. And most of the times people will develop these policies, CYA, well, we have one, put it on the shelf, never to be heard from again until the critical incident. And then people wonder why. Every, well, we had plans. We got these policies in place. You say, well, why didn't it happen? Because people didn't practice. Oh, you got the shooter. The shooters practicing. Darn right, they do. You know, they're they're making sure they're hitting what they're aiming at. So you need to practice of how you're going to help the people who are caught in a bad situation. But I think that it goes beyond that. You got to come up with plans to keep from getting into that bad situation. I mean, nobody's asking. At least I've never heard them, sheriff. When they, they nobody has asked how did a kid with an AR-15 or even an adult with an AR-15, just walk into the school through the front door, basically. How did he do that? These are the things that, again, we don't, we don't want to touch that. That's too, that's too difficult to, to ask why schools ahead of time, and even after this latest one, why they're not target hardening? Why are they not making it a fortified situation? Knowing what we know now with yeah. these school shootings... And why aren't we having the discussions, not at the national level, at the local level, with school districts, with school boards? Why are we not talking about putting armed good guys inside those schools, whether it be law enforcement, private security, whatever? Arming teachers that want to, you know, take the training to be able to protect these students. Again, we don't want we, 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 we When I say we, the anti-gun left wants to stay away from those issues because that's what's ground zero here. Some things that we could do today. They're not interested in seeing this stuff end. They're interested in pounding on the Second Amendment, pounding on the NRA, demonizing those two things, uh, and gun owners across America. 175 million gun owners in the United States, it's estimated. 175 million. How many of those people would take a firearm and use it to take property, to intimidate people, or to mow people down? Very few. But yet what we want to do... And I say we, I'm talking about in this discussion with the left. They want to punish the lawful gun owner instead of the perpetrator. 
Well, they they want to make a soft target, which they do of themselves by saying you can't you got to have a, a gun-free zone, which is it's telling no the person thing. with the gun, yeah. That's go a in fairy and tale. It's, a, it's going to be shooting fish in a barrel. That's a fairy tale, this, this notion of a gun-free zone. A gun-free zone is a killing field. I'll tell you what, in my house, there are numerous weapons, <laughs> numerous weapons, right? Yep. Plus the house is alarmed. I've target hardened, right? That's a safe zone. Yes. It's safer than a school right now because the school has these people are sitting ducks, unfortunately. So, again, you know, it's not about it's about political opportunism for the left, for Michael Bloomberg, for the Ford Foundation, for the anti-gun movement. It's about political opportunism. And uh, that's why I said this ritual I talk about. And, and, you know, and I'll tell you what, there'll be another school shooting. How do I know? If you look at the number of people flopping around society today who aren't right in the head and the availability, because background check's not going to do it. Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook, he didn't need to pass a background check. He went, killed his mom, and stole her guns. How's, yep. a, back, how's a universal background check going to stop that? How is some of the other things that the left is proposing that we know aren't going to work? Uh, uh, Fort Hood, Nadal Hassan. Right? What did a background check do with that? Nothing, right? So, uh, again, it's the ritual. And we talk about it, and it's over and over. And it's like a broken record until the next school shooting. I could have told you there was going to be one after Columbine. I could have told you after Sandy Hook. I could have told you after Aurora, Colorado, there's going to be another mass shooting. And it's not because of the gun. It's because of a breakdown in society. It's about flawed human beings. I have yet to see a gun lift itself up off the table or out of a case and start indiscriminately just firing at people. There has to be a flawed human being behind that gun. So rather than talk about removing the gun, which isn't doable with 350 million guns in circulation in the United States, but we can deal with these flawed individuals well before they commit the next mass shooting. Last question for you. Doesn't it make sense that the Secret Service picks up a, a, a person who's posting things of a threatening nature to the president or the vice president, they go out, they check it out. If they think that the person's got a problem, they can take them into custody for 72 hours and make sure that they're right in the head. Why can't we do that? I guess we'd have to have some kind of law passed, but why can't we well, do that for well, local sheriffs and, and police department chiefs? Sure, and we don't need a, a, a new law. We need a process, though. I okay. want pro- a process, not just government. Well, to protect in- you guys from the, the vulture lawyers that are out sure. there. So you ask why we, we can't do this. We can. There's no will. You're right. The Secret Service, they know the president's going to any town USA, and they know that there are individuals there have threatened the president. They can, and they will lock those people down while the president's there. Yes, You're right. Sir. Why? Because because we don't have the will. That's why we don't do it. Yeah, we'll protect the president, but not a vulnerable school. Well, we should protect the president, right? Yeah. Look at all these government buildings out here in the Washington, D.C. area, fortified, with armed, with screening. No one can get in these buildings without going through screening, taking everything out of your pocket. You can't board an airplane without taking everything out of your pocket. Take your shoes off. Take your belt off. Take your clothes off. Stand behind the naked scanner. And we won't do that with schools. I agree. I appreciate you, Sheriff. Thank you so much. What do we What do we expect from you here in the future? Uh, people can go to, uh, I started a private sector enterprise, dacenterprises.org. Okay. It's my website. Go there. 
Uh, I'm working with the America First Action PAC, which is the official Trump PAC, promoting the president's policy, his vision to make America great again. I'm speaking all across the country to, to groups that I get invited to speak to that want to hear my message of freedom and liberty and why this is so important to hang on to. So again, DACenterprises.org. Sheriff Clark, have any taste for running for office? I just came out of office, retired in <laughs> September. Uh, you know, I had my taste. I never say never, but at the same time, my mission's different right now. I want to be a foot soldier for freedom. And you can really only do that outside of an elected office because elected office ties your hands. People start to come at you uh, because you're an elected official uh-huh. and everything you say, they twist. And they, can't do, they can try to do that now, but they can't be, demand that I be fired. They can't say, we're going to run somebody against you and defeat you in the next election. They can't do that anymore. So life is good out here on the outside. Well, I can say this. Sheriff Clark, you are a great American. Well, thanks a lot. I'm humbled by that. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.